Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psycho's Patreon exclusive. Join me for the ultimate team mom deep dive. This is more than just a recap show. I'll scour the internet to bring you all the best drama that MTV didn't air. From police reports to deleted tweets, I've got the details on all the fights, breakups, and arrests of our favorite MTV train wrecks. If you think the moms bring the drama on TV, just wait until you hear what really happened. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hi guys, how are we? I'm going to be honest, I'm missing Teen Mom 2. I think I miss talking about Teen Mom 2. You know, when I'm watching these episodes, I'm not thinking, fuck, I wish I was watching Teen Mom 2. But when I go to recap them, I'm really missing Janelle. (laughs) I'm really missing my girl Janelle. Where is she? I, I don't know. I just, I just miss her. I wish she would come back. I know last season I was like, get this show off the air. It's been on for 9,000 years. But here's something to know about me. I want everything that I cannot have. And while I have it, I don't care that much about it. When I don't have it, I sit around and think about how much I miss it. It's a a fact of my life. I've always been this way. I am the worst. And today, I'm missing Teen Mom too. I pulled up my notes and I looked at the women who I was going to talk about. By the way, I could like get into a whole thing about how we call the moms girls, even though they're grown women, but... I don't think anybody wants to hear that rant from me. I don't know if I'm in the mood to deliver the rant. It's Friday afternoon. I just got off work and I'm feeling a little keyed up. Like, maybe not emo. No. (laughs) Physically, like I'm not physically ready to go, but I'm feeling keyed up emotionally. And I have some thoughts and you know, it's inauguration weekend that's not right, but the anniversary of Inauguration Weekend, so we've got a big march tomorrow. I will be marching to Mar-a-Lago. You'll be hearing this after. Then Sunday, my Eagles are playing in the NFC Championship, so go Eagles. And I think I'm just keyed up for this weekend. So what happened in the Team Mom world this week? Well, Kate went back to treatment. Yes, she went back to her inpatient treatment in Arizona. Now, I'm glad that Kate is getting help. I'm 100% happy that Kate is getting help. I want to make that clear. If that means she has to go to this place in Arizona, then that means she has to go to this place in Arizona. However, I am very concerned about her. Like, look, if if Kate is at the point where she's going to kill herself, then wonderful, not wonderful, then get on the plane and go to Arizona for sure. But I just don't think this is working for her. She was just there for six weeks. She comes home for about two or three weeks. Then she goes back for six weeks. First of all, that's like outrageously expensive. I find it very hard to believe that her insurance would cover a second stay if they even covered the first. It's extremely hard to get coverage on a uh, private mental health institution, especially for six months. Six months, six weeks, excuse me. I find it pretty hard to believe that insurance would pay. So theoretically, these trips could be costing about $50,000 each. Easily, easily could be costing $50,000 each. I don't know if I've talked about this on this podcast before. I'm sure, I'm sure I have. But the average cost of inpatient drug and alcohol treatment is $1,500 per day. 
per day. And I would imagine that the facility that Kate is at is pretty similar to an inpatient drug and alcohol program. And, you know, what's $1,500 times 45 days? It's a lot is what it is. Is that what, how many days are in six weeks? I don't know. I can't do math. I, I can't think about math. But it's a lot, a lot of money. Now, MTV is with her. Kurthy, you know, producer Kurthy. Kurthy is actually the worst name to ever exist. I've never heard a worse name than Kurthy. If your name is Kurthy and you're listening to this, I apologize, but I have to live my truth. As I've said many times on this podcast, you know, I say things that may upset people. I may personally offend them by calling their name the worst name on earth. But what are we doing here if I'm not living in my truth? We're doing nothing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Any, Anyways, uh, Kurthy was tweeting that their flight out of LAX had been delayed 23 hours, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I'm assuming, of course, MTV is footing the bill for at least a partial amount of this. But one, how much money does have, does have, does MTV have to pay for Kate's mental health treatments? I would imagine a lot, but... Are they willing to pay for that? Two, at what cost to Kate is this to have MTV come? Three, I don't know, guys. I think Kate is one of those people that goes to treatment and kind of wants things to get better and then isn't able to or willing to, I don't know which one it is, put in the aftercare work. I see this all the time in drug addicts. I see them go to treatment repeatedly. I mean, I know people who have been in treatment for their addictions over 30 times. <laughs> yeah, you've heard that correctly. 30 times they've been to rehab. I mean, there are people who've been to rehab 50 times. Think about it. If you start using heavy drugs and alcohol in your teen years and you don't get sober until your 30s, it's pretty good, easy to go to rehab two times a year. It's People, people go to rehab a lot, some people, and they fall into this cycle where things get bad, so they go to treatment, they do whatever work of treatment, then they come home and they do the same shit that they did, so they get high again, and then they have to go to treatment again, and they're in this really long and unhealthy cycle, and I'm worried that Kate is about to fall into this cycle. I also just don't see how going and locking yourself away in treatment for six weeks is that beneficial if you've just done it. Now, I loved being in rehab. Like, you don't have to have a job. They give you money for food or they give you food depending on the place. Uh, some places, you know, you'll eat there. Some places they take you to the grocery store and you cook your own food. You're kind of just like guided around. You have a schedule. It's, I read in rehab, I, in the 70 days I was in rehab, I went to rehab for a really long time. I was in rehab for 68 days total. So in the 68 days that I was in rehab, I read probably like 12 books, maybe more. I was reading like a book every, I probably read 20 books. I don't know. I was reading a book like every two or three days. I read so many books. Everybody was like, you should stop reading and join in a little more. And I was like, but I really like to read. <laughs> I read so many books. I got a lot of therapy. 
I just watched a lot of TV. I hung out. I made friends. I smoked so many cigarettes. Oh, God, I was smoking like two packs of cigarettes a day. And I just fucking chillax. And you didn't have to worry about the stress of the outside world. It would occasionally peep in, but not very often. I think Kate loves being in treatment. It's probably the first time in her life she's in a place that feels genuinely safe. I don't mean that she doesn't feel safe at home with Tyler, but the reality is is that her trauma can't, like, barge in the front door vis-a-vis Bush or April. Is that how you say vis-a-vis? I don't know. Is that the... I don't know how to pronounce... I know how to pronounce that word. I don't know its correct usage, so maybe I shouldn't use it. (laughs) What a novel, novel concept for me. But I think Kate really likes being in treatment and then has a hard time when she comes home. I don't think Kate has ever had a schedule in her life that she's been able to keep to. She came from an extremely chaotic family, uh, constantly moving, constantly changing schools, never really having stability. And we know as an adult, she's never had a nine to five job. We know Tyler does a lot of the raising of Nova. I have a feeling being in a scheduled place that's very safe and she just gets to like work on herself all the time is fucking awesome. Now, I have to wonder if that, if the third time going there is going to be that beneficial for her, would it not be more beneficial for her to be in Michigan going to what's called PHP, which is partial hospitalization, where every day for a month or a week or however long, I got into like a, once I was going to go to a mental institution, PHP, like a mental health PHP, even though I was like heavily using drugs, but I wasn't being honest with anyone about it. I don't know. It was insane, but it was going from 8 to 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Monday through Friday for a full month. It might have even been Saturdays and Sundays. A therapist had to get me into it, and then I bailed, and my mom stopped talking to me for like a month. It was like a really, really bad and dark time in my life. It was winter. We would stay at my boyfriend's house where he didn't have any heat. I don't know. It was such a mess. Oh, it was such a bad time in my life. But as I was saying, I have to wonder if, you know, Caitlin has tried this treatment thing, and it clearly what did not produce I don't want to say it didn't work because if she worked on herself and got a better understanding of herself and her mental health then it worked but if it did not set her up to succeed when she left I'm not sure if it's the best idea I don't think Caitlin has the ability or the willingness to perform the aftercare duties which is you know when you're in these hospital settings for six weeks Like, you should not just be coming home and being normal. You do, at least out of rehab, a lot of people will do rehab, then PHP, like I said, eight hours a day, five days a week. Then you'll do IOP, which is like three hours a week or three days a week for like four hours each time. Then you transition to outpatient, which is once a week for three hours. And it's a long process. And I wonder if Kate was doing that. I don't know. I really don't genuinely hope that this works for her and that this is helps and she does what's best for her I I also wonder if there's some drugs going on I said it on the Facebook and I think it might be a controversial opinion but I do not think that what we're seeing here is the norm for inpatient private residential mental health stay now I understand Caitlin does not live a normal life because she has access to MTV, MTV paychecks, and MTV funding things. However, 
I don't personally know anybody that went to six weeks of mental health inpatient treatment, came home for a couple weeks, then went back. Not just, no, no, I want to rephrase that so I phrase it correctly. I don't know anyone who went to a private luxury inpatient treatment facility for six weeks, came back, and then went back to the same one. That is something you see from drug addiction because, one, insurance will cover it, and two, there's an alarming need to go back. I know readmittance is a very real thing for mental health and med adjustments need to be taken. I completely understand that. And I'm not saying that it's impossible to go in and out of inpatient treatment just for mental health and not for drugs. That's not the point that I'm trying to make here. The point that I'm trying to make is that this is unusual. Just the level of care at the type of facility she's going to doesn't really add up to me. I'm wondering if she comes home and starts smoking pot again and that spirals her or spirals her or if there's some more serious drug use going on. I mean, she has an extremely extensive history of addiction in her family and she has severe mental health issues. It wouldn't be a wild concept if she had a drug addiction too. It's pure speculation. I I'm not a hundred I'm not even 100% sure I believe that. Like, I'm not sitting here. This is not like a Ryan situation where I'm like, Ryan is a drug addict who is using drugs. And I am sure of that. Which, (laughs) do you like me declaring that I 100% know that for a fact when I 100% do not? Anyways, this is not like that. I don't see a lot of behavior in Kate that screams drug addict to me or screams anything more than the severe depression she has. I just... This is behavior of someone in drug treatment, basically, is what I'm saying. So we might as well talk about Kate first because I'm talking about Kate. So the opening scene was, like, weird and random. We go to the Octagon house and the porch is going up. And I think that's going to be a wraparound porch around an Octagon house on their land is going to be very pretty. I'm actually looking forward to seeing the finished product of their house. I like that house. I mean, I probably would never live on land like that. I don't know. It's a lot of upkeep. More of a suburbs girl, if you will. But I do like that house and I like the porch that they're putting up. So Butch is there and he's working on it, which is you know, they but they know Butch is getting high, but they're allowing him to be working there. And Tyler's nephew is there, so they're allowing Butch to be around Tyler's nephew and Butch is high, which confuses me. Um, it does. I mean, no, it doesn't confuse me. It, Butch is always high. He's been high his whole life. It it's disappointing to see. I guess is what I'm looking for. And Tyler's nephew has a cast that looks like it's coming off, and apparently. Amber, Tyler's sister, has no desire to take him to the doctor, so Papa saws the cast off himself, which is, you know, even Tyler is like, what the fuck are we doing? I kind of like to watch Tyler interact with his family because I think Tyler is getting a lot of perspective on his life. I think Tyler's actually growing a lot, if I'm being honest, which I'm surprised. I don't think I would have said that two years ago. But I have noticed there's a lot of Tyler, like, looking at the camera or saying things, and he is realizing that shit isn't right. (laughs) That shit ain't right. As he says, my sister don't have any sense. 
And they call him Dr. Butch Country uh, Medical Doctor, which I thought was funny. Kate goes to meet April. And did we all notice how good April looks? She'd gained a little weight in her face. I think she got new dentures. Now, people are asking if she got veneers, but I think April probably has a full set of dentures. A lot of drug addicts that don't take care of their teeth, which is a lot of drug addicts, will end up getting all of their teeth pulled at a very young age, and they just get dentures in because the rot and the destruction and the decay gets so bad. Do you guys remember, speaking of, on one of the Kardashian shows, it was probably Keeping Up, but it could have been a spinoff, when Kim told Chloe that she had to take Lamar to the dentist because she could smell his decaying teeth. Anyways, now that I grossed you all out, I think April is dentures, and they look great. I'm really happy for her. April looked good. I feel like that was the best we had ever seen her. She... They talk about having another kid, and I don't know. I will always find Capril. Capril? I just gave a new ship name for Kate and April. I will always find Kate and April scenes upsetting to watch. Even when they're doing well and giggling, I don't think Kate's dealt with any of her trauma in regards to her mom. I don't think April's taken responsibility for it. I mean, how much, I don't know, how much responsibility can you take? It's not going to cure anything that happened. I just don't, I feel like watching them like pal around together makes me uncomfortable and it just reminds me how much of a mother role April does not play in Caitlyn's life. You know, to contrast the scene last week between Kate, Tyler and Kim with this week with Kate and April, it's like Kate's seen a girlfriend for the first time in a couple months and they're like catching up over lunch. It it's depressing. You know, Kate's talking to her about having another kid and how she wants to surprise Tyler and she's getting the IUD taken out so Tyler can be surprised. By the way, Tyler posted today that he's getting in shape and he's lost 26 pounds. Very proud of him. He definitely like although he posted a picture and I kind of think he looks better, fatter. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um Kate like Makes a joke that she's going to buy an Apple Watch and then put a pregnant, like, if she gets pregnant, put the positive pregnancy test in the Apple Watch box and surprise him. And she's like, and I'll keep the Apple Watch for pushing out his baby. And her and April just, like, laugh and laugh. And there's, I don't know. Her mom doesn't seem concerned at all about Kate's depression. Doesn't seem concerned at all about Kate's overall health. Doesn't seem concerned at all about anything except anything she it's weird it's not you know when Tyler says to Kim like we're thinking about having another baby Kim's like okay well what about the postpartum like has Kate stopped smoking like and asks like logistical questions that a parent usually asks a kid and April just giggles with Caitlin about it and it's in my opinion depressing to watch it's not sad really it's not a sad scene you're not watching it like I'm gonna cry but it's a constant reminder that Caitlyn does not have a mother figure in her life now she has Kim but I don't know how close they actually are they've ever been I think Kim will always resent Caitlyn (laughs) 
I think Kim will always resent Caitlyn for sticking around and just refusing to leave. Like, what did she say in their wedding speech when she said something about, like, Kate's the girl that moved in and never left? I think it's very hard for Kim to watch Tyler and Kate be together. I think that Kim thought they would give up the baby and they would move on to have normal lives and that she could, or he could, Tyler could push Kate away, finish school, get a job, be a normal person, eventually find a girl to marry, have a kid, and just live a normal life. I think she had big, not big aspirations for Tyler, but happy aspirations for Tyler. And I think just like nobody could, nobody could have imagined. By the way, I've been like rubbing my pants in a circular motion and I hope that didn't pick up on a microphone because I literally just zoomed into myself doing it because of my ADHD. I'll like do stuff like that and not even realize I'm doing it for minutes at a time. So my apologies, I'm going to physically force my hands. My apologies if you could hear that on microphone. Anyway, I think Kim really wanted Tyler to just have a normal life and could never have foreseen the life that he is now. Now, I think she's happy with it. I mean, the reality is Tyler owns multiple homes. He has a clothing line. He has a daughter he takes care of every day. I mean, he's spending months at a time being a single dad when Kate's away at her treatment. I think he does the heavy lifting of raising little Nova. I don't think she's unhappy with the life that Tyler has produced. But I think she wanted Tyler to be able to move on. I think she saw how much baggage Tyler had via his dad, Butch, and how much baggage Caitlin had from her entire life. And I think she realized that Kate would never be a person that could take on Tyler's baggage and really help him grow because she had too much of her own. Does that make sense? I think Kim spotted that and she wanted them to just be like a normal high school couple and break up and move on and that never happened because they got teen mom. (laughs) And all of a sudden they became famous for being together. I can't even imagine how hard it must be to be famous as a package deal like Caitlyn and Tyler are. I think Caitlyn and Tyler are much more of a famous couple than any of the other couples we've ever seen on this show. I mean, I would imagine Cole and Chelsea are now too, but it's obviously different for Caitlyn and Tyler. Tyler's always had fans, but, you know, I just can't imagine the pressure that Tyler feels when it comes, and Caitlyn feels when it comes to their relationship. And I think Kim hates that. I think Kim sees the misery that Caitlyn has for life, and that must be depressing. I think Kim sees how hard it is for Tyler to take on Kate's stuff. And I'm not trying to blame Caitlyn for for any, any, bad things in Tyler's life because they're a couple and they're in this partnership together and I think Caitlyn's doing the fucking best that she can and the reality is if Caitlyn I know I said earlier I think Kate might be using drugs but I'm just gonna assume that she's not the fact that Kate is not a fucking homeless drug addict is remarkable the fact that Kate has held down a job even if it's with MTV 
for so long and is a homeowner and owns a car and has a horse and all that other shit and is a mother is really incredible. And she's done extremely well for herself considering her childhood and her life. But I just think Kim... I'm on such a tangent right now. (laughs) I just think Kim wanted more for Tyler. And I think Kim would much rather have Tyler be working a construction job with a wife that really makes him happy than this MTV life that he has with Caitlyn. I I really think that to be true. I think Kim is also one of the only ones, save maybe Randy, but Randy loves the attention in a way that Kim doesn't, Maybe Macy's parents, but we don't see them, so we don't know. I think Kim is really the only one who has fully seen how much MTV has given, but also stunted Tyler. I think she is grateful for MTV that he has homes and cars and a life financially beyond any of their wildest dreams. I think there's no way any of them could have even imagined that they would have the access to money that they do. However, Kim fully understands that it's part of the reason why he never gave a fuck about finishing school, why he doesn't care to work really hard. That's always been an issue with Kim. I think Kim has always been the one that, like, fully sees the MTV shebang for what it is. Anyway, we find out that Tyler quit smoking cigarettes when Nova turned one and that Kate has not. I think Tyler is a person that is more of a go-getter than Kate, and I can relate to Kate that I am not a go-getter. It's very hard for me to be a go-getter. It's very hard for me to quit things. It's very hard for me to start things. It's I'm good at coming up with... That's not even true. I'm more like Kate. I think Tyler is definitely somebody who... Likes to set goals and complete them. And I would imagine it's hard to be in a relationship with Kate for him. And I think it'd be hard for... I think it's probably hard for Kate to be in a relationship with Tyler, too. Uh, Kate's friend is like, okay, well, if she gets pregnant, like, she'll stop smoking cigarettes. And Tyler's like, yeah, but if we're trying to have a baby, shouldn't she stop smoking cigarettes now? Like, why would you wait until after you're pregnant? That doesn't make any sense. She should just stop. And her friend was like, yeah, okay, that makes sense. And Tyler was right. So we see Kate go to get her IUD removed. And she goes to see her gynecologist. And her gynecologist kind of lets us know that <laughs> that she has, I don't know why I just laughed there. This isn't funny. That she has made multiple appointments and changed her mind and has called and canceled these IUD removals multiple times. And Kate's like, nope, ready now. They talk about her weight and they say her weight on camera, which I thought was very brave of Kate. It was definitely um, a wake-up call for me. I've lost 40, in the last, like, two years, I've lost 40 pounds. And in the last six months, I've gained back 20 of them. Uh, It was definitely a wake-up call that I need to get serious because I was like, fuck, do I look like Kate if my numbers are around Kate's? Oh, I'm having a big, I'm having a day, obviously. But this isn't a weight podcast, so I'm not going to get into it. (laughs) I just thought it was brave of Caitlin to talk about her weight on camera. I did. Good for her. It's, I would never talk about my weight on camera. 
whatever. I don't even want to talk about it on this podcast. It makes me deeply uncomfortable. Her uh, OBGYN definitely suggests that she lose, you know, ideally 20 pounds. 15 would be doable, but she needs, she should try and lose about 20 pounds. Which I don't think is really in the cards for Kate at this time. I I don't see her motivating herself to eat well or exercise because it's hard as fuck when you're not depressed. So when you're depressed, I don't know. We find out that she's on 100 milligrams of Zoloft and the OBGYN says, you know, if she does get pregnant, they can think about readjusting it. But it's fine for her to be on it. Which is great. And she gets her IUD out. Now, I am praying that that IUD is back in. (laughs) I'm really, 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 really hoping that when she was at treatment, she, for the first time, she got her IUD put back in because she is obviously not in a place to be having children and I think we all know that. Kate said that it really hurt to get the IUD out, but she's ready to start trying for a baby and when they got pregnant with Nova she was pregnant like within a month but she really planned it like she knew when she was ovulating she's not gonna do that this time I I guess she just wants to go with the flow and the producer asked her about quitting smoking she's like oh yeah once I'm pregnant I'll just quit smoking cold turkey it'll be fine Mm, I'm not so sure that's how it works But you do you, Kate. (laughs) You do you, baby girl. So yeah, that about wraps it up for Kate and Tyler this week. I really do genuinely wish Kate the best. And I really hope that she can make progress in her mental health and can find a medicine that works for her. And that she can, you know, be active and alive for her daughter. So let's go on to the next girl after a five second break. So, on to our next girl, and I definitely want to talk about Amber next. Now, Amber had a big social media week. Throughout this entire pregnancy, Amber has been saying pretty silent. She hasn't been tweeting. We haven't seen a single picture of her pregnant, which, uh, I want to see a picture of her pregnant. That sounds creepy, but once again, living in my truth. (laughs) Um, so we haven't really been hearing that much from Amber lately, and she had a bad day on Monday. I'm assuming they got their screeners of the episode a couple hours early, or maybe the night before, and she flipped and started posting a ton of shit about Gary and Christina, basically saying Christina lost her kid, Gary is an asshole, she's an amazing mother, all the typical stuff from Amber that she, you know, spouts out when she's being crazy. I posted some of the tweets on my Twitter, well, my show's Twitter, which is EBP underscore feathers. You should definitely come follow me because I post highlights of the week. That's the ongoings of the Teen Moms. So Amber tweeted, I've been on this show for 10 years. I've been through hell. MTV has turned my pregnancy and this relationship into a joke in one of the happiest times of my life. Apparently, my life is just for people to tell me how horrible I am as a mother because I went through depression. Andrew is the reason I was able to pull myself together. He showed me that life was worth living. I'm thankful to have him because now I will be alive for my daughter and family. 
Remember, if you're going through hell, make sure you keep it all inside. And people should be able to say whatever they want about you, especially your ex. Make sure when you're suicidal that you always have your kid right next to you the whole time. It's very healthy for them, idiots. Make sure to watch Gary and Christina tonight talking shit about me. It must be hard making money off me. Being such a bad mom and all, where would they be? Wait, in a one-bedroom shack in the ghetto of Anderson where he came from before I got on, got out and the show came on. Ignorant. Oh, before I got out and the show came back on. Ignorant! Exclamation point. Well, okay. Here's the issue. First of all, Amber, you're only on this show because of Gary as well. He knocked you up. It took two to tango. It took two to get you guys on this show. Gary is a big reason that this show even happened because as I've told you guys before, they MTV met Amber through her brother when he was going to be on Engaged and Underage. Still need to find that episode. If anybody's listening and has it, send me a link. Uh, but before, and they met Amber and a big part of the draw of Amber was Gary. Like they've talked about it, that the Amber-Gary relationship was just so crazy for the producers to watch and that's part of the reason that they wanted this them to shoot the pilot of 16 and pregnant and why they wanted to develop this one-off show around them amber okay amber is her symptoms of borderline personality disorder are so glaringly obvious you know to say Andrew's the reason I was able to pull myself together. He showed me that life was worth living. I'm thankful to him because now I'll be alive. It's like, girl, you can't live for a man. Like, you have a daughter. That's a sad thing to say when you have a daughter. But, you know, we know that Amber's like this. And it's also crazy that she took that episode as so much shit talking. They've really said the same shit that they've been saying about her forever. I think she's just, she's just in a really bad place. I wonder if she's possibly manic. You know, she's not on her meds and she also has bipolar disorder. I don't know. Um, She had also, I guess somebody was like, don't talk shit about Christina. She's the one raising your kid. And she said, you have no fucking clue what you're talking about in any way. She broke up her family for money and TV. Her husband got a restraining order on her cheating ass with multiple people and then cheated with Gary. What about her daughter? Straight out of Gary's mouth. And Christina responded, restraining order, keep my child from filming. I'm an active mother to my children, so quit hating. I've never stepped on your toes as a mother, nor will I ever. I care for Leah when she's in our care. Love don't hate with a heart emoji. And Christina like never, ever gets involved in Twitter drama. So I know she was probably pretty set off. Gary had tweeted a lot of stuff that I thought was reasonable and measured. He retweeted some stuff that I wish he had just left behind personally. So in response to the one bedroom ghetto apartment, he said, I stayed where I, stayed where I was because I'm no better than the next person. I saved up to put 20% down. I don't want to move and I didn't want to move and feel like I was struggling. And I wanted to think out all options and find where I wanted my kids to grow up. You can talk poo about me, but please not about Christina. Then he tweeted like some really bad stuff. But he also said, sorry for the wonderful drama you see or don't see. My wife Christina is amazing. We had a rocky start and we made through. And honestly, I love her and she is one hell of an influence. Please don't judge us by what someone else says. There is always more to it. We love you. He also tweeted directly at Amber. I know you're going through stuff and feel bashed, but you do ultimately have our support. 
Yes, we have concerns of our own, but we do a TV show, so yeah, shit gets said on both ends. Continue being the amazing mother you have been, and keep that baby fed in the gut. <laughs> yeah, so, it just, you know, it wasn't a good look for Amber at all. Then she was like, I'm going to delete Twitter, which she, I don't know, always does. Then she tweeted some stuff about borderline personality disorder, and I, I feel for Amber. Look. Amber's a bad mom. Amber should not be having a second kid. Amber should not be bringing this guy Andrew around her kid. Amber should not be doing a lot of things. But I think Amber really, really struggles on the day today with her mental health. I really think she is in a very dark and sad place. And I feel for anybody that's in that position. How? I mean, from where I'm sitting, it's like, how can you not? So in this episode, Amber and Andrew are going to Hawaii And, you know, they just need time away, which like, lol, what are you, what, what exactly Amber needs time away from? I'm not a hundred percent sure because she like doesn't work and doesn't see Leah and like maybe she should have time going to the therapist, but you know, just my opinion. She says, I've been to Puerto Rico and I remember how much I liked it. They went to Puerto Rico six months before this was filmed. Like, they were just in Puerto Rico. She made it sound like when she was a little kid, she went to Puerto Rico. It's funny because Amber wants us to think she's, like, Miss Culture in class and, like, you know, not Gary for the ghetto one-bedroom apartment, which, ugh. But she is not, I'm, she's not cultured. (laughs) Like, she does not have a lot of world experience. And it's just funny that, I mean, it's funny because it's she obviously is aware of it and is very insecure and that's why she's constantly trying to convince us otherwise she says when she went on vacation with Matt it wasn't romantic at all and so she's looking forward to going on a romantic vacation with a boyfriend which you know I can understand and she says she's not very adventurous which I find believable so they get to Hawaii and there's like this scene in a car and Amber's leg breaks And I'm just not, like, feeling that great about this trip. Oh, and as she was packing, she, like, held up a dress. And she's like, this looks like a maternity dress. Which, like, okay, foreshadowing. So they get to the rental, and it's, like, so 1980s. And Amber is, like, in a weird, a weird place. Like, she's smiling and doing, like, a happy voice. But kind of looks dead in her eyes, if you guys didn't notice. She looked great physically. Her body looked really good. She had really lost a lot of weight and was, like, toning up. Kiki's there, and they discuss that Amber got so sick at their connection flight that they missed their other flight and that she'd been puking and she didn't know what was going on. Maybe she, like, had something bad to eat, and she says... Well, when I was pregnant with Leo, I was puking all the time. And then they have this awkward, like, well, anyways. I was like, okay, Amber, okay. And she woke up not feeling well, but she's going to go snorkeling anyway because she just wants to do things for Andrew. And Andrew makes her do things she normally wouldn't do, which, like, is good. I mean, that's not a bad quality in a relationship. I just swear she said the same shit about Matt. I should go back and rewatch early Matt seasons, season episodes, because I swear it's exactly the same as it is with Andrew. So we go to Gary's house, and Gary is 
just straight up reading an article off of Radar.com about Andrew that in his like uh, past arrests. So if you guys will remember, I read them an episode or two ago, like about his arrest records and their training orders and the drug and alcohol issues. And he had all this stuff had come out, like the multiple restraining orders, the arrests. So Andrew kind of had to give a damage control interview to Radar. I mean, he didn't have to do shit. <laughs> I just, let me rephrase that. Andrew didn't have to do anything. Andrew chose to give a damage control, uh, chose to give a damage control interview to Radar Online, basically being like, excuse me, basically being like, well, you know, I was in a dark time. My dad died. I thought my mom was going to die. So I used drugs and alcohol. And that's what Gary was reading. And Gary and Christine are annoyed. And this is the scene that made Amber really mad. And it wasn't that bad. It's like they, I mean, they've had one of these every episode this season. (laughs) Have they not? Like, they're always sitting around discussing the fact that Amber needs to be doing more and doing better. So, Gary and Christina basically are like, she should have waited. Like, she's with this guy way too soon. Amber needed to work on Amber, and it doesn't really make sense. And Christina's like, you know, your daughter can bring you just as much happiness as a relationship can. Which is true, and it's false. I mean, I can see why that annoys Amber to hear, but Gary is a point that that's literally the point of this show is that they all get together and talk shit on each other. And if they're not going to do that, then what are we doing here? And apparently, like, uh, Gary, well, okay, not apparently. Gary is mad because Amber's just doing what she's always done. Amber gets to fuck off and not come around and do whatever she wants, and she's fine with it. But Gary doesn't have that option. He's never had that option. He's the one that's always had to step up and raise Leah so Amber can do whatever the fuck she wants. And he knows, and I think we all know, that Amber does not appreciate that. Amber doesn't care that Gary is raising Leah and doing all the heavy lifting along with Christina. I really... (laughs) Amber is almost like Caitlin and Tyler that... She's just like, okay, well, you know, Leah goes and lives with someone else. And when she's 18, she'll like, come and live with me. (laughs) Does that make sense? Amber really feels like she is the number one parent to Leah. And some other people are just like helping her out. It's really insane how, I mean, and it makes sense because Amber has a mental health disorder. Amber's perception of the world is just so twisted That it's hard. It's really hard to watch. Amber is becoming really hard to watch. Amber's always been hard to watch, but it's getting really bad. And I guess Leah and Christina had a talk. And you know, this is what sucks for Christina and Gary is that they're constantly, Leah wants Amber around. Leah fucking loves Amber. We see it on the show. Like Leah is obsessed with Amber. She loves her so much because she's still little. And isn't old enough to understand that her mom is choosing not to be around. So, you know, the way that they explain Amber not being around is like, mommy's sad, mommy's sad, mommy can't be around because she's sad. And so Leah will say to Christina, like, mommy didn't come around because she was too depressed, but how come mommy has a new boyfriend? Why wasn't she too depressed to get a new boyfriend? And it's like, okay, so what do you say to that? And poor Christina is the one that has to, like, 
explain Amber's absence. And Amber just sits there and is like, Leah loves Andrew. Leah will love Andrew. This is so great. (laughs) Amber, Amber only sees Leah as a reflection of herself. And it's really upsetting. And apparently Leah and Amber are spending a ton of time together now or way more than she has been. And it's because Andrew's there. I swear, Amber can only function as a human when she has a boyfriend doing all the hard work for her. So Christina says, "I." so this is what I think. Oh, well, first, first, Gary says, you know, when I was with her at a point in time, like, and all she did was sleep, I would come home and Amber or Leah would be in dirty diapers and she'd be screaming and Amber would be sleeping. All she does is sleep. So I basically, I think what he's saying is like, Amber has always been depressed, even when she like had Leah full time, like all she did was lay around and sleep, which is so sad because Amber was young then and it was already that bad. So Christina makes this joke, and this is definitely what, in my opinion, set off Amber and why she got so pissed, so much more pissed than normal. Christina jokes, let's adopt Leah, which obviously means let's have, like, I want to adopt Leah. And as soon as she says it, she, like, makes a laugh and is like, haha, just kidding. And I think she, I think Christina realized she, she done fucked up. I think she did not mean to say that on camera. I would imagine if Gary Gary and Christina have to have had many conversations about Christina adopting Leah. How could they not? How could that not be a thing that comes up? They must be terrified at the thought of Gary dying suddenly. What would happen to Leah? She would have to go live with Amber. I mean, let's be real. Amber would probably let Leah live with Christina anyway. But there's absolutely no way that Gary and Christina have not discussed and probably no way they're not discussing often the fantasy of Amber signing over her rights so that Christina could do a step-parent adoption. Honestly, I think she should. Christina's the one that's raised Leah since Leah was, what, three or four? I think Leah was turning five on being Amber. And Christina had already been in the picture for a while at that time. She has been, she she has been the one that raises Leah. She just has been. Now, am I a hypocrite? Yes, because I don't think Cole should adopt Aubrey. And I keep saying it's too soon. Although, I don't think Christina and Gary have been together that much longer no, that's not true because Emily's like three now. Never mind. Forget my hypocriticalness. But the reality is, I really think that the best solution would be for Christina to adopt Leah and Amber to still be able to have a role in her life as her mom. You know, they can still keep like a custody schedule. I mean, they're another reason I'm sure Gary and Christine would never even try and pursue this because they would they want they want and deserve. Amber's child support. I don't mean that to say that to make them sound greedy. Amber should absolutely be paying child support. Absolutely. But I I wish Gary, and or I wish Christina could adopt Leah because, yeah, what happens if Gary dies? What happens if Gary's in a car accident tomorrow? That's terrifying. It's awful. Ugh, what would happen to poor Leah? I don't know. But yeah, I I would imagine that that adoption line set Amber the fuck off. 
Because Amber can take them talking shit. Amber can take them talking about the situation. Amber cannot take them talking like they're going to adopt her. They, she just can't do it. So we're back in Hawaii and Amber's feeling sick, feeling sick. And so she's going to take a pregnancy test. And surprise, Amber's pregnant. So now we'll on the show, we'll be able to watch Amber's pregnancy journey, which I'm reasonably excited about. But, you know, I, I, I mean, look, I am, I'm excited to see it on camera. I can't help it. I just am. Hey guys, to hear the rest of this week's episode, come on over to patreon.com slash EB psychos. Thank you all so much. Have a great week. Bye. This has been an episode of Feathers in My Hair, an Emotionally Broken Psychos Patreon exclusive. Executive producers Molly McAleer and Liz Bentley. Produced by Nicole Matthews. Special thanks to Sarah DiGiovanna for our logo. Head on over to our Patreon page for more rewards. www.patreon.com slash ebpsychos. And come on over to our Facebook page for more discussion.